I once again want to thank your church for welcoming us so wonderfully over these last few days and just such a privilege to get to know some of you and uh, you know when you're Christians and you meet brothers and sisters you fall in love with them in a very short time you can tell what's in their heart you know where they're coming from you know you're on the same page you serve the same Lord you have the same desire to serve Him and be faithful and reach others with the Gospel of Jesus Christ. I just want to begin, if you'll open with me to our text in Romans chapter 12. I want to begin with a word of prayer. And uh, then we're going to see what we can... I think I left my little notes down there, Nan. You know, God may, huh? Not here. God's doing something amazing here. You know, when I was pastoring the church in Australia, I pastored for 20 years in Arkansas, and then we moved to Australia, and I pastored 10 years there, and and then we moved back, and God's kind of worked me into a circuit rider ministry. But... um, while we were there in Australia, I would show up sometimes and, you know, we got five kids and so getting five kids ready and, and getting to church on time and everything and we're running around and, and uh, I'd show up and I'd go, man, I, I think I lost my notes. <clears throat> They'd always get excited because they always said when I didn't have any notes, the message was always better than it was with the notes. So uh, I'm not going to guarantee what you're going to get this morning, but... I'm going to go to the Lord in prayer here in just a minute, but before I do, I want to give you a little illustration. I grew up on a horse and cattle ranch in Kansas, and my father was a little bit different. He didn't just like to raise horses and cattle. We raised sheep and goats, and he also liked exotic animals. So we raised buffalo, and we raised things like Scottish Highlander cattle and He had deer of different kinds. We raised elk and buffalo and, you know, just when I tell people I grew up in a zoo, they think I'm kidding, you know, just because there were 10 of us in our family. And and so people will say, how many were in your family? And I say, 10 of us. I grew up in a zoo and they think I'm talking about my brothers and sisters, which sometimes I am. But I want to give you an illustration. We had a a herd of deer, fallow deer from Europe. They come in white, brown, and spotted fallow. And we had this one pen of spotted fallow deer. We had this little Scottish Highlander calf. And the mother died, and we had raised this little Scottish Highlander calf on a bottle. And, of course, it's growing up, and it's going to be a big Scottish Highlander bull. But we put it in the pen with these spotted fallow deer, And it grew up with these deer. And that Scottish Highlander young bull thought it was a deer. So when the deer get excited, you know, they'll go running and they'll leap and they'll they'll do a big jump or they'll jump up in the air and twist. And it was the funniest thing in the world to watch this Scottish Highlander two-year-old bull running and trying to get off the ground and trying to twist the way the deer twisted. But it illustrates a point. We kind of change to those that we hang around with. 
the environment that we live in does have a certain effect on us. Now, we're not totally a product of environment because we have a will. And we're living in an evil environment today. And my hope and my prayer for, our, for uh, this session this morning and the others that we've already had is that by the grace of God, I may have said something or some scripture has spoken to someone to challenge them not to conform to the environment of this world. Be not conformed, but be transformed. That's what we're going to look at here in just a moment. If you would, join me in a word of prayer and we'll ask God's blessing on the time we spend together. Father, by Your grace, You have brought us together this morning. It's only by Your mercy that we continue in this nation that is in a full-blown slide into darkness and evil. This country that is like a snowball rolling downhill, gathering steam and momentum. And Father, to still be able to gather together in a local church and to name the name of Christ, to open Your Word and to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ is a miracle of Your grace and Your mercy. But Father, we realize that time is running out for this country. We realize that You are a God of righteousness and justice. We realize that even for Your own nation, Israel, as they fell deeper and deeper into evil, Your righteousness and Your justice demanded that You deal with them in judgment. And so, Father, we know that judgment is coming. But Lord, I pray for those who are here this morning. It may be that there's someone here without Christ. And I pray that they'll know that they're without Christ, without hope, and without eternal life. And I pray that this morning will be the morning that they will humble themselves under the mighty hand of God and trust the Lord Jesus Christ who went to the cross on their behalf for the gift of eternal life. And Father, for all of those of us who are children of God, each one of us has areas of our life that need to be transformed. Let us not think that we are near the goal. Rather, let us see how far we are from the standard that we have in the life and the perfect person of the Lord Jesus Christ. So Father, do Your work this morning as only You can take the scalpel of Your Word, and do spiritual surgery in our hearts and our souls. And we will thank You and praise You forever for what You're about to accomplish. In Jesus' name, Amen. In Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, the text reads, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Some texts will have your reasonable service of worship, and that's because that word service is a word in the original language that refers to the service of a priest. Do not be conformed to this world. There's that Scottish Highlander bull trying to be a deer. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. that You may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. 
Something that I've emphasized in all the time that we've spent together is that transformation is something that requires a daily activity. It's not something that happens all at once. It's not some miracle that God drops on us. It's not that we're living in conformity to the world one day and then all of a sudden one day we wake up and we have nothing but pure and holy and godly desires. It takes daily discipline. Everything that God does in our lives is done in cooperation with us. He will not force Himself on us. You know, we're here in the South. We still understand here what it means to be a gentleman. God is a gentleman. And though He is all-powerful, He will not impose Himself on us. We see in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ His love and compassion for people and how He reached out to them in every way that He could, but He would never force Himself on any. He could have ten lepers come to Him for cleansing, and in compassion He cleansed them all, but only one made the decision to come back and say thank you. And so as we look at this text, I just want you to go along with me and divide it into a few uh, different things that we're going to look at. Basically, it breaks down into seven things uh, that I would like us to see. And uh, then I'm going to wrap up with how does all of this come about in our life. Join me if you will. I just found my notes. I probably just ruined my message here. Maybe I'll just ignore them. Would you notice seven things from this text? Number one, I want you to notice the challenge. The challenge, I beseech you therefore. The word beseech is a word that means to exhort, to challenge, to encourage, and even to comfort. It was used in three different words, ways in the ancient world. And these three ways are important to us. It was used of a mother comforting a little child who had been hurt. And so it has a family connotation. It was used of a coach who was challenging his team or his athlete to greater effort and greater success. And so it has that team idea and that team concept. And it was also used of a commander challenging his forces in the face of the enemy. That warfare idea. And the Apostle Paul has all of this in, in mind as he carries the burden of the Roman church, a church that he had never been to, yet a church where he knew a lot of the people there. We know this from his greetings in chapter 16. And he thinks of the small ones, the young ones, the new believers, and like a mother, he is comforting and encouraging and lifting them up. And he thinks of the young men who are young and strong and like a coach challenging his athlete to give it more, to give it all. He's challenging those young men. And then to those who are mature, to those who are old and wise in the faith, like a commander on a battlefield, he is exhorting them to stand firm in the fight. I exhort you therefore, brethren. This is what he's talking about. But I want you to notice the word brethren because this is where we get into the real issues of the spiritual life. Brethren means that you have trusted Christ as your Savior. We've looked at the book of Romans. We've kind of done an overview. I almost feel like I bit off more than I, than I should have in our last few sessions uh, because it's a big book and it's a deep book and it's a rich book. 
But everything from Romans chapter 1 to chapter 12 is talking about the change that takes place within. And he begins by telling us that there is only one hope of salvation, that the gospel is the righteousness of God revealed, that it displays the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. He reminds us that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, but that we are being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. He reminds us there in Romans chapter 5 and verse 1 that having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we also have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. So everything relates to those who have trusted Christ as their Savior. And so again, I say, if you may be here without Christ, and there will be those listening to these messages later on, if you're without Christ, you have no hope. You are without eternal life. And therefore, for Paul to speak to you, he cannot speak to you until you enter the family. And we enter the family one at a time. We are born into the family of God by the power of God, the Holy Spirit, when we open our heart and our soul and respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. As I said the other night, salvation is an inhale and an exhale. We breathe in the gospel. We receive the gospel. This is why some passages say you have to receive it. Others say you have to believe it. We receive when that gospel comes to us and the breath of God enters our heart and our soul just as God breathed into Adam the breath of life. And then we exhale in that prayer where we call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and we thank Him for the deliverance that He's provided. And so He speaks to us as brothers, as brethren here, and as, as members of the family of God, we have equal standing before God. Do you realize that if you've been a Christian for 50, 60 years, if you've been a Christian for a week, you have equal standing before God. We all stand on the foundation of the Lord Jesus Christ. And not only do we have equal standing, we have equal provision it might amaze you, it might shock you to realize everything the Apostle Paul had, you have. Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3 that we've been given all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places in Christ. He tells us in Ephesians chapter 2 that every one of us who have trusted Christ have been made alive and raised up and seated with Him in the heavenly places. He tells us in Colossians chapter 3 that we should all, whatever our status of spiritual growth may be, be seeking the Lord at the right hand of God to set our mind, our affection on the things that are above, not on the things that are on the earth because we have died and our life is hidden with Christ. So I beseech you, brethren, if you are a child of God, God is putting His arms around you and He is saying, I appeal to you. If you're a young one, I comfort you like a mother. If you're a young one, I'm challenging you like an athlete. If you're old and mature, I'm encouraging and exhorting you like a soldier standing on the battlefield. I exhort you, therefore, brethren, notice by the mercies of God, I told the group that were with us in the earlier studies that there's a little surprise in this particular passage, and this is it, by the mercies of God. We tend to think that when Paul talks about the mercies of God, he's going all the way back to chapter 1, and of course he is. He's including everything that he said. But I want you to take note that 
Paul never uses the word mercy until he gets to chapter 9. Chapter 9, 10, and 11, those chapters that we like to skip over, those chapters that make us a little bit uncomfortable sometimes because we don't really understand them. Nine times in those three chapters, Paul uses the word mercy because he's dealing with Israel and he's using the nation of Israel as an example to you and I and saying, look at everything God gave them. Look at the... Uh, choice that he made of them out of all the nations. Look at how he poured out his grace on them. Look at how he guided and led them. And what did they do again and again and again? They turned away from the moment of the exodus until the appearance of Jesus Christ. They could never rid themselves of idolatry. They refused to be transformed and chose to be conformed. Someone was talking to me about the prophet Amos and how they love the prophet Amos. And it's the prophet Amos who speaks for God and says, all the while that you were in the wilderness, you were not offering sacrifices to me. You were offering sacrifices to the hosts of heaven. Their idolatry kept them from all of the blessings that God wanted to give them until finally the Lord Jesus looking down over the city, weeping, says, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often I would have gathered you together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. There's the gentleman of Jesus Christ. He would not impose himself even on his own people. So I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, Present your bodies a living sacrifice. Here's the offering. The word to present simply means make available. Place close at hand. It's a word that was used for the offering of the priest as he brought the offering and he laid the offering on the altar. Present your bodies a living sacrifice. God doesn't just want your heart. He doesn't just want your time. He doesn't just want a little bit. He wants all of us. What young man ever fell in love with a young woman and said, you know, I'll take whatever you can spare. No, I want it all. I want your heart. I want your soul. I want your time. I want your interest. I want your compassion. I want it all. This is what God's asking. You know why? He gave us His all. I think it's in Romans 11 as he speaks of Israel. And he talks about the fact that the Gentiles who did not seek God have now come to God, but to Israel, his own people, the ones he called, those that he had treated with such special care and compassion. He said, all day long I've held out my arms to an unbelieving and unaccepting people. All day long. You know when that happened? That happened when they nailed the hands of the Lord Jesus Christ to the cross. And He was there from morning till evening. And all day long, He held His hands out to an idolatrous and an unbelieving nation that rejected Him. Let's not make the same mistake. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. By the way, I just want to back up enough on the mercies to say this. You may say, God can't use me. I've fallen too far. There is no limit. There is no bottom to the well of the mercies of God. The mercies of God guarantee 
that when you return like the prodigal son, the father is not standing there with an attitude of condemnation. Rather, he is shamelessly running to embrace you, to wrap around you the robe of his righteousness, to put the sandals of service back on your feet, to put on your finger that signet ring that means you have access to all of his riches. That's the welcome that God will give to you every single time we fall, and we may fall and fall and fall again, never fail to come back because the mercies of God are our security. We are secure not because of our production or our position. We are secure because of the mercies of God. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, present your bodies. Notice a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. A living sacrifice. You know what that means? Every day. Every day. That's why I've been putting this little chart up in front of people because these five things you do every day. Every day you wash. Every day you eat. Every day you walk and work. And you come to the end of the day and you rest and we do without thinking for the body which is mortal and perishing what we will not do for our soul which is eternal. Wash. 1 John 1.9 If we confess our sins every single day. You say, well, I don't sin that much. Let me talk to your husband. Let me talk to your wife. I, As a young pastor, the very first church that I ever was pastoring, I had a woman that came in and she said she never sinned. And her husband was there and I turned to her husband and he was kind of a little mousy guy and you could tell she ran the show, but I turned to her husband and I said, she tell me the truth, she never sins? And he just kind of smiled and looked down, but he told me everything I needed to know. Let me talk to your kids, your neighbors. No, every day those thoughts, those words, those actions that may just be a flare-up of a moment, the more scrutiny we give to our daily life and come to God and confess those things to Him, the faster, the quicker we get rid of those things that attach to us. Like I was talking to the brother here who's done the meat processing and everything, and the world attaches to you and it starts eating away and rotting and destroying your life. He was giving me some marvelous illustrations. You'd be like a great big fat piece of pork that's rotten from the inside out. Wash, eat. Jesus said, man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. We need God's Word every day, not once a week, not twice a week. Plaster up verses around your house. Look at those verses. Put a little card with a verse in your car before you start that thing up. It's a good idea. Read the verse. Think about it and send up a prayer. The, the road is one of the most dangerous places that you'll ever face. Not only eat His Word, but walk with Him. John says in 1 John 1.7, if, if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. These are the things that offer your life to God. And we say, oh no, I'm, I'm waiting for something big. I'm waiting for Him to give me a, a big job to do. You know what the Bible says about the Lord Jesus? He went about doing good. 
He just went about doing good. He had compassion on people. He looked beyond the external appearance. Man looks at the outward appearance. God looks at the soul. And he looked into the heart and the soul of every single person. I would love so much to have been there to have him look at you one time. You would never be able to escape the fact that he loved you completely and unconditionally. You would not be able to escape the fact, the knowledge, the conviction down inside, he knows everything about me. He knows it all, and He loves me still. And He cares and wants to help. And so we walk with Him, and He has work for us to do. Paul tells us in Ephesians 2.10, where His workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good deeds. Titus tells us in Titus chapter 2 and verse 14 that God has created us to be a unique people zealous for good works. And He's also created us to rest. Take my yoke on you and learn from me and you will find rest for your soul. Come to me, you who are labored and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Every word of Scripture is offering us everything that He has. And what does He ask of us in return? Love me like I love you. Is that not what we would want anyone entering into a marriage? Love me like I love you. You know, you're a very fortunate person if you find someone who loves you more than you love them. That's what I have. I have a, a lady who loves me more than I think I could ever love her, though I love her more than she knows. Notice that he says a sacrifice that is holy and acceptable to God. Do you know what you have to do to be holy in God's sight? You may be the most depraved. You may be the most defiled. You may have sinned this week like you never sinned before. I want to tell you what it will take for you to be holy. Surrender to God. The word holy means to be set apart to God. You place yourself in His hand. You have just become holy. Your life has become holy. Why? Not because of you. Because you're surrendered in His hand. Do it and see what He will do in your life. And then He says, shows us the contrast here, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The contrast is the word conformed is a word that means to imitate or to become like that which is around you. There we are back to that Scottish Highlander. It's the outward conformity. It's imitation. Oh, the world's doing this, so I'm going to do it. People are influenced. All of our advertising agencies know that that's how you advertise and sell things. You get people to want to do what everyone else is doing. And so we conform outwardly, even though that may not be our real nature at all. Do not be conformed to this world. You know what John says? This world's passing away. The world is passing away. Everything in this world is going to burn. The world and all of its works is passing away, but he who does the will of God is going to abide forever, and the will of God begins with faith in Jesus Christ. And then those little steps 
that bring us closer and closer as we study His Word, as we learn to pray, as we learn to work out our salvation, which God has worked in us in love and care and compassion and ministry and service to those around us. Don't be conformed, but be transformed. The word transform, metamorphosis, that's the Greek word is metamorpho. It's the same word used in Matthew 17 too, when Jesus went up on the Mount of Transfiguration and it says He was transfigured before them. Let me ask you a question. I want you to take this one seriously. How would you like it right now if everyone around you could see your soul? What if they could look into your soul and see what's really there? The thoughts, the motives, the attitudes. I think all of us would probably be a little embarrassed, don't you think? You know the wonderful thing about the Lord Jesus? It's one of the reasons I can't wait to meet Him. It's one of the reasons I'm not hanging on to this world. I've lived a long time. I've had a marvelous life. God's taken me all over the world and He's allowed me to serve Him. But I want to tell you something. The biggest desire in my heart is to see Him face to face. Because He's the only person who ever walked that the entire world could have seen everything in His soul and it would have been nothing but perfection, nothing but honor, nothing but integrity, nothing but righteousness, nothing but love and purity. Be transformed. You know what Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 3.18? He says the Bible is a mirror. James uses the same illustration, only James uses the opposite example. In the book of James, he talks about looking into the mirror and forgetting what kind of person we are. The Bible reveals the things that are wrong with us. You know, when you look in a mirror, your hair's all messed up. You got a smudge on the side of your face. You were eating part of the wonderful breakfast they gave us this morning and you got mustard on the side of your mouth and you see everything that's wrong and you walk away and go, I'm good. I'm good. Well, the Bible is that kind of a mirror, but in 2 Corinthians 3.18, He shows us the opposite effect of the mirror, and that's when we look into the mirror and we see the reflection of Jesus Christ. Remember the story of Snow White? The old witch? There's a whole lot of people in the world like this old witch. She had a mirror that told her what she wanted to hear, and she would say, mirror, mirror on the wall, who's the fairest of them all? And the mirror would say, oh, absolutely you. You are the fairest of them all, even though she was an old witch. When we look into the mirror of the Word of God and we say, who is the fairest of it all? It always gives us the same answer. You know, the wicked witch was disappointed when later it said, no, you're not the fairest of all. Snow White is. Well, the message of this mirror will never change. The fairest of them all is always the Lord Jesus Christ. And we are to be transformed into His image. Be transformed. Notice by the renewing of your mind. This is the process that it takes place. The renewing of the mind is feeding on the Word of God. Did you know that just the entrance of God's Word, the psalmist says the entrance of your Word does what? Brings light. Did you know that there is a purifying effect. I see people today, we had the so-called pandemic. I never worried about the thing. I wasn't concerned about it because I'm ready to go see my Lord. If there's a pandemic coming down the line that can take me out, here I am. Come and get me. 
My wife and I have thrown ourselves into every corner of the world that we could possibly go into, and people say, isn't it dangerous there? Well, maybe. We were on a plane flying out of Spokane, Washington, and I heard the attendant yell. I had fallen asleep. We had taken off, and I pulled my hat down over my eyes, and I'm asleep, and I heard the attendant say, there's a fire! When you're on a plane at 30,000 feet, you don't want to hear there's a fire. And he comes running up the aisle and runs up to the front and grabs a phone and starts calling the pilot. And I woke up and turned to Nan and she said, something's wrong. I said, yeah, there's a fire. I said, get ready. You start praying. I'm getting ready to stand up and start giving these people the gospel because if I'm going to go down, I'm going to go down trying to win somebody to faith in Jesus Christ. You say, weren't you scared? Well, I figured it'd be an interesting ride, but really going down in a plane would be a pretty easy way to go. Scary on the way down, but you never feel it at the bottom. But you know what? If you had your mind focused on the people around you that are on their way to an eternal hell, kind of changes your attitude about it all. Because we know where we're going. We need to learn to be renewed in our mind. The entrance of the Word brings light. It brings cleansing. It brings hope. It brings power. And it changes how you think. You know, though a man, mankind is known as the thinking animal. Though man, a thinking being, is defined... Few use the grand prerogative of mind. How few think justly of the thinking few. How many never think who think they do. We're in a world of unthinking people. The crowd goes this way. Oh, let's go. Crowd goes that way. Oh, let's go. Oh, the news tells me that there's a pandemic. I'm terrified. Hey, we're still here. You say, yeah, but some people died. I think some people died before that. I walked right out here in your cemetery and I'm looking at the graves of cavalry officers and infantry officers from the Civil War. You guys have historical evidence that we're all going to pass from this place. Life is a vapor that appears for a moment and vanishes away. And every time I stand and I look at a grave, I'm reminded of the little poem my dad used to tell me of the guy that was walking along and he saw the gravestone and on the gravestone was written the words, Remember, friend, as you pass by, as you are now, so once was I. As I am now, you too shall be. Prepare yourself to follow me. And he looked at it for a while and he took a piece of chalk out and he said, To follow you is not my intent until I know which way you went. We should never look on a gravestone without realizing I'm only a few steps away from that. Probably closer than I think. Let me wrap this up. The renewing of your mind so that you may prove. You know what God wants you to prove to yourself? He wants you to prove that His plan's perfect. When he says that you may prove, the word prove means to prove by 
putting to the test. You put it to the test and you prove. You prove what? That it's good and acceptable and perfect. To who? To yourself. I can tell you that I have put to the test the plan of God and I have found it to be good. The word good is agathos. It means divine good. This is the best kind of good. It's good, it's acceptable. Not just acceptable, enjoyable. Marvelous, amazing. And it's perfect. And the word perfect really means not lacking in anything. As I look at my life from that time 50-some years ago when I was a 15-year-old kid and I received Jesus Christ in a little country church there in Kansas called Cumberland Bible Church, and I look back all those years ago and I remember the pastor telling me, God has a plan for your life. And I thought, if God has a plan for my life, I want to know what it is because I don't have a clue what I want to do. Well, the amazing thing is by believing that God had a plan for my life and seeking that plan to be fulfilled, you know what I found out? I proved something else. I proved Psalm 37, verse 4. Psalm 37, 4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and He'll give you a miserable life. No, no, that's not what it says. Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. You know what the desire of my heart was as a kid growing up? I want to see the world. I'm a poor farm kid. I'm growing up on a ranch. I grew up as a teenager. I was embarrassed to go out with friends because I didn't have any money. You know, to scrape together a buck to be able to go about and buy a hamburger and a Coke and something, you know, it was, that was tough. How in the world would I ever see the world? When I was seven years old, we used to have a little thing called a weekly reader that came to our school, and I opened it up and it talked about the biggest tree in the world. It's a banyan tree, and it's in Calcutta, India. And as a seven-year-old kid, I looked at that and I thought, oh, wouldn't it be wonderful to be able to go and see things like that? I've stood under that tree. I've seen the Ural Mountains. I've seen the Himalayas. I've seen the Andes. I've seen the Nile. I've seen the Ganges. I've seen the Amazon. How in the world could that happen? Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. You know what's going to break a lot of hearts when we get to heaven? Christian hearts, I'm talking believers. I believe we're going to stand in front of the Lord and I believe we're going to see what we chose over what He would have given us. And I believe it's going to break our heart. What we could have had how much He wanted to pour out His love and compassion, knowing us because He created us, knowing every desire in our heart and saying, I had it all and I wanted to give it all. But you chose trinkets instead of treasures. Would you just turn with me as we wrap this up to chapter 16 as Paul ends this marvelous letter? You may be sitting here and you may be saying, I can't do it. I don't have the determination. I don't have the commitment. I know that I can't be faithful. I know that I can't turn away from the temptations. I don't have it in me. I'm glad you said that because none of us do. And once we realize we can't do it, we are on the threshold 
of an amazing discovery. And I want you to read with me Romans 16, verse 20, Now unto him who is able. Now unto him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery kept secret from the world since the world began, now made manifest by the prophetic scriptures, made known to the nations according to the commandment of the everlasting God for obedience to the faith, to God alone wise be glory through Jesus Christ forever. If you picked up the notes on page 23, appendix H, it says God is able. Do you see that? I'm not going to read all the verses, but it's verses that tell us what God is able to do. He is able to save you forever. He is able to supply your every need. He is able to deliver you from every temptation. He is able to sustain you when you're weak. He is able to keep us from falling. He is able to surpass all our expectations and requests. He is able to raise us up in resurrection in the likeness of the Lord Jesus Christ. We serve a God who is able. My friends, I want to wrap it up by saying everything that we've covered before all comes down to this. It is a willingness to lay our hands as an offering into the mighty and the gracious and the compassionate hands of our Lord Jesus Christ and watch what He is able to do with our life. It is not what we can do. It is what He is able to do in and through us. I pray that that will be a reality in your life. May God bless you all. And I want to again just thank Pastor Josh and all of your church. You've all been wonderful to us. Uh, you have fed us. I still think your theme song needs to be God be with you till we eat again. <laughs> Let us pray and... Uh, we will go out into the world and seek to live transformed lives. Father in heaven, we thank you for your grace. Thank you for the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for the fact that your word changes lives. Thank you that we have God the Holy Spirit to work in us and through us, not only to be blessed, but to be a blessing to those around us. May God the Holy Spirit take the truth of your word and drive it as a sword deep into our hearts and souls that we may not forget the things that we have shared together this morning. For we ask it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you all. God bless you.